All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, so I'm excited to be finishing up um, this last installment of Ruth. We've been doing Love and Legacy, the story of Ruth. And we did the last three chapters the last couple weeks. And just a quick recap of the last um, few chapters of Ruth. We started off with Naomi and Elimelech, who lived in Bethlehem, Judah. And there was a famine in the land, so they took their two sons and moved to Moab, which was a place that was known to be ungodly. And when they got there, um, the husband Elimelech died, and the two sons married two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And after 10 years of marrying them, they also died, the two sons. So we had three widows, Ruth, Orpah, and Naomi. And then Orpah decided to stay with her family in Moab and to go back to her family and her tribe to get a second chance at marriage. But then Ruth made a different decision. Ruth made a life-transforming decision because her faith was transformed by God. And because of that transformation of faith, she wanted to cling to God and cling to Naomi. So she decided to go back home with Naomi to Bethlehem. And that decision was such a defining moment of history. And she showed genuine love and commitment to Naomi through that decision. And we saw that Ruth's lowest point of pain ended up being a point of transformation for her. And then Naomi and Ruth ended up moving back to Bethlehem, Judah, and it was during the God's perfect timing, which is the barley harvest, which was mid to late April. And she decided right when she got there, right away, she got straight to work. She wanted to provide for her and Naomi, and it happened to be during the barley harvest, so she decided to glean, which was part of the welfare program where she picked up the leftover um, harvest after the harvesters. And um, she wanted to provide for her and Naomi. And we saw how Ruth worked faithfully, even in the small and the mundane. And we saw how God aligned all of her steps because, as we know, she happened to land in Boaz's field, which we know God was aligning this whole time. And Boaz, we met, was actually a relative of Naomi and Elimelech. And he was the owner of the field. And we saw how Boaz was such a great example of being a godly man and how he was so gracious. And he provided protection, provision, and friendship for Ruth. And then through all these day-to-day -day events, God was using the natural and the ordinary events to have supernatural and extraordinary outcomes. And God was lining up everything. We also saw how Ruth and Boaz were great examples of godly men and women. And not only were they a great example of marriage, but the pursuit of love and marriage. And then Ruth proposed to Boaz and at the threshing floor. And Boaz accepted the proposal. However, he didn't want to cut corners. So he told Ruth that he's actually not the next of kin. There's another relative that's closer to him, but he's going to take care of the situation. So where we left off at the end of chapter 3 was the suspense of Ruth telling Naomi that there was another relative that was closer than Boaz. But Boaz said he will see, you know, how to take care of the situation. And then Naomi told her to sit still because she trusted in God's continued and consistent providence and provision. And that's where we pick up from chapter 4. So starting with chapter 4. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, and sit down here. So he came aside and sat down. Now he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. 
If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So here we have Boaz. He goes to um, the courtyard. And that courtyard is kind of like the courtroom back then in Israel. So he was at the courtroom, and he stays at the gate, and he tells everybody, and he tells the relative about the land of Naomi's, and he's saying, hey, it's for sale, and you're the next, like, she wants to sell it, and you're the next, you're the next redeemer, you're the next of relative, so if you would like to buy back the land, let me know, um, because you're next, and if not, then I'll take it, but then the relative said, I'll redeem it, next verse, then Boaz said, on that day, you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So notice how slick Boaz is here. He's like, by the way, if you get the land, you also have to marry Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow. So... The relative thought about it, and he said he doesn't want to, because he said he didn't want to ruin his inheritance. So what that probably means is he's probably married and already has kids. And if he were to marry Ruth and have a kid through her, then the inheritance would have to be split among those kids as well. So he didn't want to ruin that inheritance. So he thought about it, and he said, you know what? I don't want it. You can have it. And what I love here is Boaz was showing integrity by going through and honoring the process. He sat there and he didn't try to cut corners. He knew that there was a right way of doing things, and he decided to honor that process by going through it. And instead, he, goes up for, he shows up for the, early in the morning at the gate to see the relatives. He went through the process by getting witnesses to honor everything, or to honor the process. And he knew that God, whatever God wanted to happen, will unfold. So he knew the process. He showed up early. He brought the witnesses, and he said, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to go through the process, and whatever God wants to happen will happen. We also need to learn to honor and enjoy the process. We love outcome. We're all about outcome. We're all about the end result. But God, he is about the process. Our day-to-day faithfulness through the process is where God transforms our character. Many of us, we struggle because we want an outcome. And we didn't want to go through the process. And we're not letting God teach us and transform our character. I want us each to ask ourselves and be honest. In what areas are we not honoring the process? And what areas are we just wanting the outcome, trying to cut corners, and not wanting to go through the process? Saying, I want to honor God's process... It's not a popular teaching because right now, these days, today, we want to get the get-rich-quick schemes, right? We want everything quick and easy, and we don't want to go through the process. Even in our spiritual lives, we want to be spiritual giants, but we don't want to be faithful in the step that we're on. For us to say, in my marriage, I'm going to honor the process by loving my spouse no matter what. In my singleness, I'm going to honor the Lord by maintaining my purity. 
in my job. I'm going to be the best employee, not for the paycheck and not for the promotion, but because God sees my work, and I'm going to treat my employees and those around me with respect because that's what it means to honor the process. If you're in school, are you honoring the process? Of course you want to graduate, of course. But before you graduate, are you willing to work hard, do the work, or are you trying to cheat through and get through the process and just graduate? We are in a culture where we want everything quick. And if you think about it, we are an entitled culture. I'm part of the culture. We're an entitled culture. And we think we deserve an outcome without having to work for it. But we all want to hear what he said in Matthew 25, 23. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the world of the Lord. Wouldn't we love to hear that? God wants us to learn to be faithful on the step we are on before he can give us the next step. And this Boaz was not about the outcome. We all want the outcome, but this is not what Boaz was doing. He honored the process. The relative counted the cost. He thought about it, and he didn't want to be the kinsman redeemer. But Boaz, he counted the cost and wanted to redeem Ruth. In the same way, Jesus counted the cost to redeem us. His blood. And he decided we were worth the cost. You and I were worth the cost. Christ counted the cost and was willing and able to redeem us. Now this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Mahlon's from the hand of Naomi. And moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Mahlon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. So here, Boaz claimed Ruth. So they had that formal exchange of taking off the sandals. That was their custom. And then Boaz claimed Ruth, and he made it public. He made, it, made sure everybody knew, and he made sure there was witnesses there. And I love this because in the same way, we are to make our faith public. We shouldn't be afraid of our faith or what we believe. And because our life has been transformed, we, should, we shouldn't be quiet about that. We should be all in and make sure people know our faith and what we believe in. And the people of the courtyard were there witnessing this redemption. And they publicly gave them blessing, saying, May Boaz's name be great and multiply. In the same way, 
For such an amazing redemption that Jesus had for us, has done for us, we are his witnesses for God to make his name great and to multiply the house of Jesus. We each have our own sphere of influence, whether it's our school, our house, our neighborhood, our work. And God wants us to be a witness and a sphere of influence there for his name. And what Boaz does with Ruth and this land is such a beautiful picture of what Jesus will do. A bridegroom who will buy a Gentile bride and prepares that Gentile bride to be his wife. That Gentile bride is the church. It is you and I. And Boaz, who was related, willing, and able to redeem, is such a beautiful foreshadowing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is related, willing, and able to redeem us. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor woman gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Amminadab. Amminadab begot Nashon, Nashon begot Salmon, Salmon begot Boaz, Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. What an incredible gift of provision. This was ordinary, faithful people that honored God, honored the law, and were blessed and produced a lineage that was exceptional. The only thing you need to do is to bring your need for redemption to God. And he supplies everything else. No longer do we have to walk in insecurity or fear. You get to walk with Jesus and see what he does because he's the one who's going to finish the work. He's finished the work. Ruth only brought her need of redemption to the table. Broaz brought the right to redeem. He brought the ability to redeem, the desire to redeem, and ultimately full redemption for Ruth. That is the same with us and Jesus. Ruth and Boaz, they had a son. They named him Obed, which means servant. And they were fruitful. In the same way, God wants us to be fruitful in our lives. His goal is to bear fruit in our lives. He can bring fruit out of any circumstance that we're in, no matter if it's good or bad. We get so distracted and caught up in being in a circumstance that we don't want, or not having things go our way, or having a situation that isn't easy for us. But these events are to help us grow and make us better people. And he wants to bear fruit through that. And what kind of fruit does he want to bear? He wants to bear the fruit of the Spirit. He wants, to bear, he wants us to bear fruit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit he wants us to bear. And I love verses 14 and 15. When he says, Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative, 
And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. I love these verses because the women give praise to God when, they, when they're talking to Naomi. The first thing that they did was praise God in, in honor that God is the one who has blessed you. God is the one who has brought you through this. And he has not left you without a relative. He has not left you without a redeemer. And then they continue continue to say, may his name be famous in all of Israel. In the same way, our job is to make Jesus' name famous because he redeemed us. And then they say, may he be the restorer of your life. And I love this because Jesus restores our life. We come with our brokenness. We come dead inside. And he gives us new life and lets us live in this newness and fullness of life through him. And they continue to say, may the Lord be a nourisher of your old age. And to me, that's beautiful. Because no matter the season you're in, no matter what stage of life you're in, Christ wants to nourish us there. If you're young, not so young, retired, married, single, looking for a job, he wants to nourish you there. He wants to be your sustainer and sustain you on the step of life you are currently on. These women are praising God for the provision over Naomi. And we see because of Ruth's faithfulness, Naomi was blessed. And the women say to her, Ruth was better to you than you having seven sons. And I love this because are we that type of person where the people around us will say, your light, your presence, your friendship, Your outlook on life, the way you live life, is better than seven friends or better than 700 likes on Facebook and Instagram. Are we that kind of presence? This shows what kind of testimony Ruth lived out. Are we living out that kind of testimony, leaving that impact on people? And then verse 16. The Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. And I love this because we read it and we're like, Okay, she was the grandma and she took care of the baby. But no, there's so much more than that. Because Naomi received the gift of the grandson, but she didn't receive it and say, I've been through so much, life has been hard, this is great, and just held the baby. She nursed him. She gave back. She received blessing and then gave back that same blessing. In our life, are we just consumers of receiving God's gifts and then not giving back? Our life should be a flow-through. The same way we receive blessing is the same way we should be giving back to God. We live in such a selfish society where once we get blessing, we hold on to it and we say, how can this help my life? How can I have bigger and better? And what can this do for me? But instead here, we learn from Naomi what God has been given to us in the same way we should be giving back. We are the portal where the blessing is being given to us and we also give back in the same way. The book of Ruth is not just a nice story about a girl who was fortunate. The events recorded in Ruth and what God was doing in Ruth and Boaz's life was about a bigger picture. It was part of God's preparation for the, for the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. This Moabite widow who had nothing 
is the great-grandmother of King David, the lineage of Christ. And just as Ruth was unaware of this larger purpose in her life, we will not know the purpose of our lives until we're able to look back from the perspective of eternity. Ruth made choices with God's eternal values in mind. She didn't take moral shortcuts. She didn't live for short-range pleasure of what felt good now or what she wanted right now. She didn't think like that. And because of her faithful obedience, her life and legacy were significant beyond her lifetime. In that same way, we must live faithfully to God, knowing that the significance of our life will extend beyond our lifetime. The rewards will outweigh any sacrifice we have made. We each, each and every single person here, has a larger purpose in life. Through the mundane, through the pain, if we live our lives out like Ruth, faithfully, with trust and hope in God, man, I can't imagine and I can't wait to see the blessing and impact that God has in store for us and for our future. Being faithful and hardworking and loyal through our singlehood, through our marriages, through our parenthood, our work, our friendships, this impact will have this will have an impact way beyond us on our kids, our family members, our coworkers. It'll be beyond our lifetime. And you might say, well, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. I have nothing to offer or to give. But this is why I love the story of Ruth. Because God uses unique people. And he does things so differently than we do. And if we see in his lineage... He, Christ includes women in his lineage that we would have never even thought of. He had Tamar, who begot Perez. She was a Canaanite who married into the family of Judah, became a widow, and then dressed up as a prostitute to trick her father-in-law so she can get pregnant. You should read that story. It's really interesting. Okay? And then you have Rahab, who was a Canaanite prostitute. You have Ruth, who was a Moabite, a widow, had nothing to offer. Then you have Bathsheba. She was an Israelite, but was the wife of Uriah, and she had an affair with David. And all these women are in the lineage of Christ. God does things differently than we do. And he uses unique people. And God never said he would explain what he's doing. He just asked us to trust him. And this is where we struggle, because we think that God didn't get the memo of our five-year plan. When something goes wrong, be like, God, but that, I have a five-year life plan, and that wasn't part of it. And that's where we struggle. But in reality... God knows what he's doing. We're the ones that don't know anything, right? We don't know what's going on. Because we are part of a bigger picture that God is writing. He's, he's the, writing the story. And we're just in the middle chapters of our story. And whatever page you are on, the answer is to be faithful in that chapter. And respond to God's grace. Because he will continue to write our story. Our story is not over yet. God takes our experiences and what we learn from the chapter we are on right now to help us grow better in order to help us go on and move into the next chapter. The story of Ruth starts with death, but it ends with life. It starts with a famine, but it ends with food and provision. This entire book 
is a beautiful picture of salvation. This is the book of Ruth, but it's also about Naomi, who went from bitterness to joy, from experiencing death to receiving life. She is the recipient of blessing even though she did nothing. Ruth's immense loyalty and integrity is what gave Naomi her grace and blessing. And through Naomi, we see how God kept his covenantal promise to protect his people, his chosen ones, and he'll provide for his children. Ruth gave covenantal love to her mother-in-law. She took shame that was not hers to bear. She left her homeland for this love. She took the lowest form of a servant to honor this love. She provided for in abundance to provide for Naomi. And Ruth here points to Christ, who is a truer and better Ruth, who took our shame, who leaves his heavenly home, who empties himself of any rights or glory or honor, who took the shape of a servant and gave us his covenantal love. Through Boaz, we see that Jesus is the only one who can provide for us. He invites us to his feast and gives us way more than we ever need. He covers us with salvation. We are under the refuge of his wings. We are safe with him. Jesus bought the land and paid with his glory and his own life to buy us with all the baggage we come with to make us his own. Through, this, through Ruth, Jesus comes with the message that his bride may not be who everybody expects. She has nothing to offer, but she's faithful. She responds. She's redeemed and provided for. God continues his message that he's faithful to those he calls. He brings about his work and purpose through faithful people working through ordinary lives. He completes what he starts. He is faithful even when we call our names bitter and our stories seem hopeless. In every small and ordinary moment, God is before us, behind us, and all around us. Ruth's story was in the middle of the book of Judges, which is in the midst of dark days. But in the midst of those dark days, was such a beautiful love story. We are now in the middle of dark day and age, and behind the scenes, God is in the middle preparing his bride, the church, you and I, and everyone who's willing to follow Christ and be the bride of Christ will enjoy his inheritance forever. What I would love for us to do is for us to continue this bringing Ruth's story into our life so we can really digest it and meditate on it and practice it in our lives. There is a, uh, a nice, it's only a five-day Bible plan, so it's only five days. So, you know, one reading each day. Um, but for us to do it as a church family this week, um, to kind of go through and take what we've learned from Ruth. There was so much that we've learned from Ruth. But take what we've learned and kind of meditate on it and practice and put it into prayer throughout the week. So. Um, Father Nathaniel and I will be doing that this week, so if you guys would like to join us, the link is going to be on the top of the church website. So I'll make it like a public plan that we can all do together. Okay, so if you'd like to stand up for a prayer.
name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your constant protection and provision. Thank you for your redemption. Lord, I pray that you help us all live our life with faithfulness and obedience like Ruth. Lord, we are each part of a bigger purpose and part of your amazing story. No matter who we are or what we are going through, you are writing our story for your glory, for your legacy. No matter what season or chapter we are in, help us not to give up, but to put our hope and trust in you. You are the only one who can provide for us. You are a refuge. You have covered us with your salvation. Through you, we live a new life with purpose and with legacy. Through the intercessions of St. Mark, St. Mary, and all your saints, hear us as we pray and say thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the Father's name. Thank you guys. Next week, um, Father Nate will be starting a new series. And we're having an event called Fall, y'all, which is going to be like a fall gift.